Hey there, it's Millen, host of SpyFi After Dark. Before I start the episode, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. I've actually started a vlog on YouTube. You can find it by searching SpyFi Vlog on YouTube, obviously. Once I hit 100 subscribers, I can actually take the youtube.com slash spyfi link, which I'd really love to do. So if you would like to be a part of that and help me get to that 100 so I can get that link and don't have to just tell people to search for it, that would be really much appreciated. The vlog is kind of like a behind the scenes look into building this spyfi vision that I have that of course started here with spyfi after dark, the podcast, as well as a look into my personal life and some of the thoughts I have throughout the week. It is kind of experimental right now, but I did actually put a lot of time into editing the video, and honestly, I think it turned out pretty well. Anyways, that's all from me, so let's get to the episode. You're listening to the SpyFi After Dark podcast. Welcome back to SpyFi After Dark. I'm joined by my co-host, as always. What's going on, guys? Alex, and then... Our guest today is Ben Ruiz. Hello. Thanks so much for having me, guys. He is a veteran of the game design industry, almost 15 years. Um, almost all of that as an independent developer, right? Correct. Yep. So that's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, thank most, you. Most indies don't last that Most game developers don't last that long, period. It's, it's very true. Yeah. And most indies almost never last that long. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to maybe start with... Um, a little bit about your last project, Aztez, mm-hmm. um, that came out in 2017. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what what that project was like? I know you were working on it for like five years or something, six years? Yeah. So full-time development of Aztez was about five years. Um, we started at the beginning of 2012. Um so what is that? Maybe six years, actually, five and a half. Um, but I was actually working on Aztez um, by myself for a, a couple years before that, actually. Like I had prototyped some very simple things. I had started to build art assets and and it, as ways to um, help me discover what it was, you mm-hmm. know. And then so all told, I was on Aztez for about eight or nine years actually. And you know, that those first few years where I was doing concept work was, I was also on other things, but yeah, Aztez was a big part of my, my life for a quite a long time. Yeah. But so you were full time for a full six full, years. Yeah. Full time for five, five and a half, six years. Yeah. It's all kind of blurring together, but it was at least five years for sure. Wow. Um, it was me and, um, one other developer. Um, I was the artist and the designer, um, his name's Matthew Wegner. He was actually my old boss at uh, Flashbang Studios. And we'd already been friends for a really long time, but um, things happened and, and that group of people kind of all went their separate ways. And and uh, when it was all said and done, it was him and I sitting there. I had this prototype and he decided to help me with it. So yeah, it was him and I for uh, for all that time. So what did what did he do in that process? So he was the um, he was a sole engineer. He was the only programmer. Um, his and he would say this too. His core responsibility was making tools for me. And so um, because I don't actually program, I don't know. I mean, I, I lightly understand what happens when people program, but I myself do not do it. And so he was creating tools for me that I would use to implement attacks, attack reactions, build levels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we, we, we had a relationship where he was basically enabling me to do design. 
And was he working full time as well? He was working, uh, it, it kind of shifted, um, you, you know, he'd have phases where he'd be on it full time, he'd build a couple really important things for me, I'd sort of be um, gassed up for a couple months of work, and then he would pursue contract work. So he, he, he would float in and out, but um, I, I would say that like mentally and creatively, he was as much full time as I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and the contract work was to sustain himself. Of course. Mm, That's yeah. what a lot of indies do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very common. What's well, kind of the origin of, uh, of this project for you? Like what, what, um, what inspired you? Um, a, a couple things. Uh, my, and can you pull it just a little closer? Yeah. To yep. You? Um, so my favorite games have always, always, always been, um, beat em ups, third person action games, 2d action games. I don't care if you have, uh, tiny characters beating each other up. I'm into it. Um, and that has all, also bled into fighting games and stuff. Uh, I mean, a I'm lot a of, 90s kid. So yeah, yeah, right, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I've always been deeply in love with animation. And that has a lot to do with the love of these kind of games because they're so character heavy. They're so world heavy. They're so, you know, the, the, the little Disney and anime kid inside of me just has always loved these types of games. And so I knew I wanted to make one of these things. I also knew that I was deeply in love with the Mesoamerican civilizations, so they got smashed together one day during a game jam. And uh, that's that was really the birth of it. It's like I knew a beat-em-up was in the pipe, and the, the Mesoamerican thing just happened to be that day's fun, happy, inspiring thought. So, awesome. Yeah. Was that your first project of that genre? It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and okay. I've been waiting for so long to, to actually to, to put it on the table of whatever organization I was at. Um, the problem is, is that they're, they're very, very production heavy. They require a lot of animation. They require a lot of environment work, et cetera. Um, when you're at a small team of five to six people, the way Flashbang was, we were making small projects that we could all complete in a couple months to six months, stuff like that. It would not have been practical to put a, an action game on the table. So I just never did. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And so it happened to work out that the rest of those guys went on to pursue other things. And then it was just us two sitting there like we can do something. It kind of can be anything. And that's when I, I saw my opportunity. <laughs> okay. Um, and I know you had an investor early on, mm-hmm. um, can you tell me a little bit about how that process works? Yeah. So uh, I don't think it's a problem that I would mention their name, but I won't just to, just to be safe, but it was actually just a mutual friend. And so Matthew and I have been, had been going to the game developers conference every year for years and years and years already. We had, we were fortunate enough to, to meet other indie game developers from around the world and, and just rub up against cool people. And this particular mutual friend of ours had done very, very, very well on his previous project and just as a passion project of his, he was investing in other indie games. So we asked for some cash and we got it. We were just very fortunate to, to kind of be standing there when this person was, was looking to empower other people. So we lucked out. Is this person by chance related to the whole indie fund thing? They were one of the members of indie fund. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but this was not through indie fund because at the time, Matthew was also a part of Indie Fund. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, it, yeah, it, it, in in terms of conflict of interest, that didn't make any sense. But of course, yeah. this other person said, "I'll take care of this personally. Let me help you out." So, so for for context for the audience, Indie Fund, you can look it up on Google, but it's mm-hmm. a small group of successful indie game developers, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, who have basically come together to form an investment group for other indie projects that they think are 
are worth investing in. Yep, that's 100% correct. And they've mutated in some some interesting ways over the years. They do still exist now, just in a very different form. Um, it became a little bit more of a community instead of like a core group of individuals. Um, it, it made sense to just continue letting people who were wanting to invest in games to to do so. So it, it mutated into a larger thing and then some groups split off because they had particular interests in other games. But yeah, Indie Fund is still there last I checked. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I haven't form. looked into them in a while. But yeah. I know they were funding a number of projects when I yeah. was looking into them. Yeah, they've been involved in a few um, very, very meaningful cultural projects for yeah. sure. Fez, um, Cube, I think. Cube, yeah. They, 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 they made some good decisions while they were still that original core group for sure. Um, so I imagine that the investment you got didn't last you the whole six years. Correct. Yeah. yeah. We, we asked for more money a few times and then, um, a few other people got involved and we, we just, uh, I mean, it was such a low amount of money, uh, at the end of the day because, um, Matthew was sustaining himself for the most part. Mm-hmm. I was not paying myself a lot. We went very, very far on very little money. So when it came time to say, we'd love to spend another year on this, can we do this? Uh, the people supporting us said, yeah, that's not a problem because this is such a, it's such a low overhead situation. So was the game ultimately successful? No. So, so Aztez was a, a sort of, um, widely publicized failure um and and that's actually in retrospect um the the widely publicized aspect is actually kind of my fault something kind of backfired in my face so (laughs) the the day that the game came out which was only on steam our plan was to release it on consoles um yeah i just looked online and it said that like it was available for a wide array of consoles Mm -hmm. well so that was the plan plan. and uh and what's funny and i'll I'll get to this one thing at a time so the day came out it was um only on steam on pc um so did about 40 other games on the same day that we came out um and and, these days yeah right exactly and 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 that's when you know we kind of discovered that like yeah well we waited too long and the market changed very, very, very different situation from when we first started making game the the game in 2012 when, um, you know, uh, someone making an indie game could just mention that they're making an indie game and it was still exciting regardless of the game. Exactly. Yeah. It, was, mm-hmm. it was a very different well, game. Well, if you knew the right people, you could get past the right gatekeepers. Well, at the, it, but at the time... That and just probably lack of saturation. Sure, yeah. yeah. And, and and at the time, you know, there there weren't really there weren't any gates because if you were making an indie game, everyone wanted to know about you. And so, um, I, I didn't even have to ask for, for publicity in, in the first couple of years of development because there was just not that many indie games being made and they were very popular. And so by the, by the time we were done and I remember this, um, I, I had gone to E3, um, which happened about five months before the game came out. And I should have known at that time that we were in trouble because, now all of a sudden I was struggling for attention in a way that I never had before. Like it was, I was having um, a hard time keeping schedule or, or I'm sorry, keeping appointments. I had a hard time keeping my plate full, like things were falling off. And, and, and it was just, it was a bad situation that was dramatically different from all the previous years I'd done of marketing. And so I, I kind of should have known at that point, but anyway, the game comes out absolutely tanks and, uh, um, the thing that I tried to do was there's, there's a local and gadget journalist that, that, um, lives somewhere in the Phoenix area named Jess. 
And I said, hey, can you do a story about the failure of this game? In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this could drum up some attention. Matthew and I are going to be very, very candid about the situation. And uh, it just kind of exploded in a bad way with everyone telling us how dumb we were for mm. trying to make a game in this market, <laughs> which I'm not upset about. Um, well, that could have definitely gone two ways. Yeah, for I've sure. I've seen similar stories like that where it totally revived. Exactly. Yeah, I think right. it was still worth it. Definitely. I think it was still worth it, too. Yeah, yes. I, I would have taken the chance. Very I, cool. Yeah, I don't it's actually very interesting. I don't regret attempting that. Uh, and, and honestly, like it wasn't, it wasn't so much the response from strangers that at the time I cared about. It was, it was other indie game developers saying like, hey, we all knew that the market had changed. Why didn't you, you know? And it's like they were right. But in that moment when mm -hmm. that story was sort of melting our, our Twitter feed, yeah. it was like, oh, guys, come it's, on. <laughs> it's also it's also hard when your head's down in it and yeah. you kind of like lose track of the context. Right, right, right. So I, I've, I remember playing some of the beta versions, mm -hmm. I think, back in 2013, 2014, right. Uh, right around that time, maybe 2015. Sure. Um, and I felt at the time, this is very polished. Sure, and yeah, I was thank like, you. You could release this. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. It's so. I'm really, really happy that you felt that, and and that was the feedback from most of the people that had tried the game, pretty much at any stage of development. But I've learned that there's a way that I make beat 'em ups, which is to polish from the very start. You know, like when I'm going to make my very first attack, I make sure that the effects and the feedback and the, and the audio, everything is super solid because, because the, the core of those mechanics are the feedback. Like that's the secret well, yeah. of those kind of games. And so it's hard to prototype that because the effects and the juice make up such a hundred percent component. Yeah, it's, of it. it's such a mm -hmm. huge part of it. Um, you can have the best design beat them up in the world, but if it doesn't look and feel good, then no one cares. Right. And so, so what's interesting about what you said is, is I realized that I was, in a, in a very positive feedback loop with most of the people playing the game. And I think that's because of my tendency to early polish. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really ever have a super great perspective on the actual condition of the game. And, and, and again, I don't think it came out bad. I don't think it came out misshapen. We made a few big mistakes and that's fine. But, um, it, it, it was just, I did not see these things for a long time because I was making this exciting, impactful, feedback heavy experience that people were like, oh my God, this is cool for five minutes. And there wasn't a game yet, but it was distracting. It was almost like a trick I was playing on people with this, mm -hmm. with this highly polished prototype. Well, obviously, um, obviously I wasn't there. I can only comment from an outside perspective, but did you ever consider maybe releasing earlier with like just cutting back like your number of weapons and releasing them after you after the game came out? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, something like that. Um, I don't think that ever really occurred to us because the, just because of the, 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 if you look at like the linear progression of the development over time, um, we could have technically, we could have released it at any time. Yeah, actually, that's a good question. I don't know why we didn't. Mm -hmm. It yeah. actually, to me, it felt like a really good candidate for like an early access type situation. 
so the okay so this i can and, and i'm sorry i'm like searching through the mental rolodex for 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 memories and insights here um one thing i do remember is that early access and also the idea of a demo was actually really freaky to me because i wanted to make a a very very good first impression and i also wanted an element of mystery in the marketing like i wanted people to to look at a piece of footage or to look at a combo video or to or to look at some type of promotional material and just wonder in a really good way like wow that looks like a really great beat em up i really want to play it oh it's not available yet oh soon 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 and i was worried about having an early access build available mm -hmm. so that people because i was nervous about people going and playing it and being disappointed because it wasn't all there yet perfectionist absolutely like mm -hmm. compulsive perfectionism for sure yep. um but but i i do think that's a thing with with beat em ups i think you want to avoid some kind of early nugget like don't give people the early nugget let them ride their own excitement until the time it's done and then go from there like with any other game just higher risk for sure for sure but so did you suffer any scope creep during the process of development or were you pretty much just trying to achieve your initial scope no 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 the, the scope kind of naturally went up over time because of um because of the way that matthew and i were working together so he'd give me this this incredible update to this fundamental tool that I was using. And then he'd be like, I've got contract work to do. I'm gonna be out of the studio for you know five weeks. It's like, okay, cool, do your thing. I have plenty to do. Um, I would experience these, these solo periods, th these solo period bursts where I would get so much done just being in the zone and, and sort of like not having to think about the other person for a moment that I would, all of a sudden I've increased the scope of the game on accident because I happened to produce a completely new weapon during those five weeks and all of its mechanics. So this thing kept happening on accident, but not in a, not necessarily in a mismanagement way. It was mm -hmm. like, we're, we're already kind of ahead of schedule on most of our stuff. I happen to have this moment to, to do whatever I want. Oops. I've, made an entire weapon ahead so, of yeah to or, of yeah yeah all these new enemies and and so no it was really interesting like and so he'd come back and then i'd be i'd have all this new content done and then he'd have to catch so we were kind of in a weird dance where it just never felt done so if you were if that's you a bit a, that's if, a bit of what you were saying about scope creep though yeah that yeah happens. well that's mm -hmm. it's unintentional scope creep basically right. that, but then I it's, feel like it usually it's, in a, it's in a feedback yeah loop. yeah well it, in my experience and again i've never worked at a at a triple a studio i've never worked on a big team it does seem like there are a couple different types of scope creep where one of them is mismanagement right like like oh. someone is looking at the entire project and being like eh, we can do this in this much time and then of course that falls apart and then things happen and then producers add things on top of it so that is a legitimate form of that um but the other form is also we're a small team we can do whatever we want and now we're accidentally making this thing mm -hmm. bigger Expanding. more complicated right. for sure yeah got it, so, got it. so in that situation it. we were definitely doing that to each other for years yeah but again the thing was so cheap that like we also weren't panicking you about this yeah, you and i'm sure you, I, i'm sure both of you have a lot of pride in your game i i absolutely product, do i right? absolutely do so. and I, i'm pretty sure matthew does as well yeah it's like it's anyone who does play it really enjoys it you know it's it's i think part of the big problem we had apart from the fact that no one really noticed it coming out was um there there was a barrier to entry that we failed to address and 
uh, that kept a lot of people out, you know, but anyone who got over that was like, Oh, this is great. Why isn't everyone playing this? You know? So, but that's our fault. That's completely our fault. That's that games have set people up now for, we're going to make sure you understand why we're cool in the first 10 minutes, 30 minutes, hour. And we failed to do that for sure. So if you, if you did have a chance to do it all over again, what are some of the like key choices you would make differently this time around? Um, I would have, so the Aztec was two games glued together, right? It was this, it was this technical beat em up experiment experience and also the sort of board game. It was like an empire management game, right? Um, I would have completely, uh, thrown out the window. Most of the overthinking we had done with the board game side of it. Like mm-hmm. we, we iterated on that so many times we were really striving to get something of a certain quality level when in reality that was just the potatoes and the beat em up was the steak, you know? And so I, I think that was overcooked in a really, really uh, profound way. I would have made a couple less weapons, made a couple less enemies, spent less time on the board game. Um, I think I would have um, asked Matthew if we got to do it over again, hey, don't do contract work. Even though you're making this cheaper for us, let's get this done in three years. And that's what I would have done if if I could do it all over again. I'd have gotten it done in three years, released into that healthier market where mm-hmm. we could have gotten away with with you know the two-person game and and it would have been a completely different release. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think with what you're saying, you would have been better off even if the market was the same that Mm -hmm. you released into. Yeah. I think it would have probably been an easier experience to get into. Yeah. And I also think you probably would have had some more money set aside for marketing. Yeah. As well. Well, and actually on a team that size, we didn't have any money set aside for marketing. That was really me going and personally promoting, which Fortunately, it was low cost, but it could not have possibly been any cheaper when you're sending one person to LA for a couple of days. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like there that was a bucket of money and we threw too much into it. Like, that was already the barest amount of money we could have possibly spent right. on like going to a con or going to a thing. The only alternative to that would have been me not going and doing those things, which would have been bad. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, actually, in the reverse sense, that you would have had more money to do more stuff. In terms oh, sure. Of marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's potentially true too. You know, it's like, it, it, it's possible that there's a universe in which you, we've got this financial buffer in which to throw at professional marketers or, or to, to make deals with, you know, use this money on a lawyer to help us make a deal with Microsoft that ensures some kind of promotion, stuff like that. So that's very possible. But Or maybe consider just branding the two of you on some kind of social sure, media pr- yeah, platform. Sure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, hindsight, you know. Yeah, but hindsight, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, this is all really fascinating. Sure. Uh, the game industry is very difficult yep. to exist in. Mm-hmm. Right. And making your own game is exponentially more difficult than that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've come out the other side and you haven't quit the industry immediately after, even after a commercial failure. Sure. I mean, that's, it says something. It's a little resiliency, you know? It's yeah, it's probably a little bit resiliency. Thank you for the compliment. I'm, I'm personally working on just thanking people for compliments instead of like circumventing. (laughs) Uh, it's also a little bit obsession though, is my point. So I think because I've never released a commercial success ever. Like I've never been on a game that, you know, we've had a few, I guess you could call them like cultural successes. You know, like we made a game a long time ago called 
off-road Velociraptor Safari. This was with Matthew and the, and the group at Flashbang. Um, the indie game developer community at the time absolutely loved it. It put us on the map in their eyes and hearts. Like, we're the weirdos that made that weird thing. And that was a really incredible moment for us because we had an audience, even if it was our own industry, you know? So we've had a couple of these moments where there's some sort of non-financial success. Still meaningful, but my point is, I've never succeeded. I should have quit a long time ago, but the obsession is the real beating heart of this. Gotta keep trying because mm -hmm. I, I literally can't imagine doing something else. So I'd love to take credit for being a tank of a man, but I'm really like a weird parasite that eats games and needs to like make something good come out the other side, you know? Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't, don't even realize is there are a lot of developers who never work on a success Yeah, mm -hmm. or just like in, in Hollywood, there's a lot of people who write movies and none of them oh, are yeah. successful. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, or they act in movies and none of them are successful. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's, that's definitely one of those things that they do not do a good job of articulating to students or articulating to, to new members of the industry. It's like statistically, you're not ever going to make a thing that people know about. So welcome to the biz, you know, like, yeah. because if you said something like that, you would automatically be discouraging, you know, and, yep. and that's, it's, it's important to not do that. You, you, you need to make sure that, uh, people think that they can succeed so that yeah, they will keep potential. trying. Yeah, exactly. So I know you said it's your partner did contracting work during this whole period. Have you ever relied on that as a source of revenue in your career? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, during the, uh, during the few years that, um, so for the people listening, I met Millen teaching a, um, summer camp program in Phoenix where I was, I was, um, teaching junior high and high school age students how to use game development software. So during the few years where I was doing that, that was actually mostly contract work time for me because this was after the time that the flashbang team had, had sort of disbanded. Um, but this was before we had asked for the money to produce Aztez. So, uh, I want to say that between roughly 2009 to 2012 for that two or three years, um, I was almost exclusively doing contract work. Some mm -hmm. of it was for Matthew. Some of it was for Flashbang, my previous employer, because it's like, I can't put you on a salary. This is only a two-month project, but I can pay you for this two months of work. So yeah, I, I, I was contracting for Matthew and for Flashbang. I was doing work for ASU. I'd actually done a couple other things for ASU at the time as well. Like they had a... Um, a some some sort of um military funded like a simulation teaching um oh man i don't remember what it was i was on such a it was such a, a short window of time that i was on that but yes that whole few years was just all contract work yeah so because because mm -hmm. we we met summer 2009 okay yep that sounds and, right and i believe that was just shortly after flashbang had disbanded mm -hmm. yeah and then we met again in 2011 summer when I TA'd for the camp that you were teaching. Okay. And mm -hmm. that was right when you had got funding for Aztec. In 2011. Like you were just, you I, were like just getting it. Like so, right at that time. So at the time I was looking for it. Yeah. Okay. So, so in the summer of 2011, that's when we were still, um, searching for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at the time we had, we had asked a couple other people, we had considered doing a pitch. We had, um, we were still exploring our options, but, but at that time it was definitely the thing that was on my mind the most was how do we get the funding for this game? It wasn't until the very end of the year that 
the the friend who initially invested finally said yes. Okay. So yeah, so what what you experienced was me in my um obsession of trying to get state. yep, exactly. Yep, okay. time to get this money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um well, we have a few minutes before the break, so I wanted to give you an opportunity if you have any messages for anyone considering the industry at all. Yeah, definitely. Um And and for those who are curious, we will talk about He's working on a new project. We'll talk a little bit about that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. after the game segment that we'll do coming up and a few other things. But uh. yeah, I, I would say that um, if you want to make games cool, make sure you are obsessed with it. Make sure that it's the only thing you think about. Make sure that it, that you badly need to do that and you can't imagine doing something else. It is a very, very difficult industry and I don't want to, I don't want to discourage anyone, but like movies, like music, it needs to be the thing that you are primarily focused on. And so, um, I, I would also say if you can avoid it, um, try not to get into debt learning to make games. Um, you can, I mean, the internet is such a enormous resource at this point in time, and that's been true for a while. Um, find local developers and ask them questions, go to IGDA meetings, like figure out the thing that you're passionate about, whether it's design, whether it's engineering, whether it's art, um, and figure these things out without going into debt so that when you inevitably enter this brutal industry, you can survive it financially. Um, and, and I have, this has been true for a long time. I am available to anyone wondering even a little bit what it takes to get into the biz and what it takes to find your role in it. So please contact me. I assume I'll have some, you'll make an email available or something. Sure. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So please do. You because can say, that's, it, say it now if you want to, but I'll put it in the link. So, well. so yeah, if you want to email me at ben at dinogod.com, I will see that email. I will respond to that email. Ideally, you'll email me and say, hey, can we get on the phone for a few minutes? That will save me the time. I get to be helpful. I get to to educate you. I just want to help people get into this thing that they might love very, very much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and Beautiful. we'll be back with a trivia segment. We're going to do some game industry trivia. Alex <laughs> versus Ben. I've tried to make it as even as possible, but <laughs> sure. I have a we'll feeling see. this one is slanted. <laughs> are, th- are there stakes? Like how much money? Um, the stakes are bragging rights okay or are there literal stakes like does one of us get a stake uh, <laughs> like no. that <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast okay. it's, it's not Yet. one of the murder mystery podcasts <laughs> right right no. all right we'll see you guys in a minute thank you for listening to this week's episode of spy fi after dark we hope you're enjoying it so far if you're loving what we got <laughs> Share that shit. Bitch! <laughs> and don't forget to rate and or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Now back to the episode. Bitch! All right, and we are back. Uh, we're going to play a little trivia game. Uh, so the way this works is I have prepared some questions. Um some of these are multiple choice questions and uh with multiple choice questions we recorded an episode two before this one but this is how i have them work is if you can guess the answer without seeing the uh the choices you get three points 
Okay, if sure. You the choices, you get two points. And if you really need to just down one or the other, you get one point. Okay, got it. Uh, and then the other ones are fill in the blank style or guess name as many as you can. Got it. Cool. Which is why you have the clipboards. Yep. Um, so we'll just get right into it. The first question is a multiple choice question. It is how many playable characters are there in Street Fighter 4? If you think you know the answer, you can just write it down. If you don't, I will. Oh, so we're both you. answering. Yeah. Oh. This, there's no turns this time. So for context, we recorded an episode earlier that was a blind movie guessing game. Mm-hmm. But that was, we took turns. So then is this Street Fighter 4 at its last piece of content with all characters released? Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Uh, so... Now, just, if just, you need if you need answers, I'll give them to you. But if he gets it right, he gets three points. J- just so my competitors clear, that was an educated guess. That's not <laughs> that, that was a very me. quick educated <laughs> no, guess. That it was, provided it was fast. I, I mean, that's right. the thing. Yeah. I also wrote really hard. To he gives freak yeah you out. some ASMR for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I will take on. the multiple choice. Okay, so your options are A forty, B thirty three, C forty nine, or D forty four. Okay, Ben, what was your answer? 36. Oh, no, I did 33. You're both wrong. Yeah. It's 44. It is 44. Holy. So I think 36 is when I last touched it. So it's bananas to me that they continued to add characters to that game. Yeah. I didn't know you were into Street Fighter. I sue. So. Street Fighter 4 is the only Street Fighter I'm not into, unfortunately. So the only Street Fighter I've really truly played um, would be. Uh, Turbo 2. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought yeah. you said you had played 4. No, I've played it like once or oh, twice okay. with Chris, but I right. haven't really played. I like literally just adopted Balrog because he, yeah. was, he was a character historically, you know what I mean, from before. And just like played it for like an hour, but two, I haven't really played it. Played it. 2 is good. I'm, I'm always really happy to meet people who still can stomach like that super classic two experience regardless of which skew it was right um, there's so many uh, yeah yeah, yeah. but but i feel like most of the people that are care about street fighter at our age they definitely grew up on two uh, actually i think you're like 15 years younger than me so i don't know if i should say that so <laughs> but my brother's eight years older than me so that's okay so i yeah, had yeah, that exposure yeah. at age to fighting games yeah yeah for sure that, yeah so, that's good you're a 28 almost 29 or 29 just turned 29 yeah okay yeah. um 35, just so we're all being open about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and my, brother, my brother's, yeah. yeah, my brother's your age. Small okay, got time, it. So. Yeah, see, that makes a ton of sense. I yes. think if you get ushered into those really old, crusty experiences, that makes that makes them easier to, to metabolize. Yeah. Okay, our next question is, and this is going to be a slam dunk for Ben. This is a guaranteed point. Thanks. Um, <laughs> what developer is responsible for the God of War games? Jesus Christ. He doesn't even have to write it down because I already know he knows the answer. If you need multiple choice, I can give you multiple, multiple choice. choice. Okay. Your uh, choices are A, Sony San Diego, B, Sony Santa Monica, C, Sucker Punch Productions, or D, Sony San Mateo. You think you got it? I got to go with B. Ben? Was B, San Diego? Santa uh, Monica. Santa Monica. Santa Monica, yeah. Okay, that's... 
That's a good question because you added like three arbitrary California cities into uh-huh. there. It's Sony Santa Monica. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The only reason why I got that was because of your it conversation. It came up early in the conversation. I'm yeah. like, there's no way I'm getting yeah. this. Thank you, by the way. Right. <laughs> oh, like... man. I, yeah. If I'd have known that was going to be like a, a trivia. Like, well, yeah. yeah I was like, like biting my lip when yeah. you're talking about it. I was like, oh, That's shit. That's why. gave away the answer. Yeah. And you didn't make any changes? <laughs> no. Integrity right there. Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> So that's 15 points Fucking for me. Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> it's three to two. It's pretty close. <laughs> Setting up for a failure over here. What the fuck is this? Okay, the next, next one. Uh, developer Supermassive Games released a PS4 exclusive horror game that featured a choice-based storyline where different characters would die by the end of the game based on your choices. What was the name of the game? I 100% know which game you're talking about. But, but you forget the name, name. so mm-hmm. I'll take the multiple choice. Multiple Same. choice? Same. Your answers are A, Until Dawn, B, Outlast 2, C, Dying Light, or D, Dead Island 2. If you want one or the other. Say the first two again. A was Until Dawn, and B is Outlast 2. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I think I'm good. Okay. Alex, do you want me to go down to one or the other? Um, or do you want to take a shot? I'll take a shot. You have an answer? Yeah. What do you think it is, Ben? My guess is Until Dawn. Alex? My guess is B. B was Outlast? Yeah. It is Until Dawn. Damn. Because I, if I recall, it was like a bunch of kids in like a cabin at night situation. And you're trying to like you're trying to experience the narrative that occurs before Got the sun it. comes up. Yeah. 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 yeah cool. I kept hearing all kinds of oh, really man. cool things I've, about so it. I have not played it, but I have watched it played through from yeah. start to finish three different times. Apparently it's awesome. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. The facial animation is really good. Yeah. Super character the, focused. The, um, the animation in general is very good. The yeah. cutscenes, the, the way, the way it flows. Cause there's a lot of like, quick time event style sure. situations and the way they implemented quick time events were like actually interesting because you okay. can mess up and keep going. <sighs> yeah. No, and I it really react. Try it. So each quick time event is itself like a tree, like an animation tree. Ah, uh, yep. And so if you fail like too many, you die. Yep. But if you get enough, you'll get through. Or if you get like a lot, you'll get through and maybe it'll have like a special yeah. thing. And so that can also affect like, I know there's one sequence where if you do it well enough, you save a character. And if you don't, they die before you can get there. Oh, sure. So there's stuff like that too. The interesting thing about that game was I kept hearing about it from people I know that do not normally play games. And I thought that was really remarkable. So, you know, mm-hmm. They'd be like, well, it started because someone in my household was playing it, but then they got obsessed and then started playing it. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So it's, I, was, I was really yeah. impressed by how sticky it seemed to be for people that are not traditional gamers. And you, the thing is you really don't have to play games to, sure, to do right. it well because mm-hmm. it's yeah. mostly reaction time good for them yeah i keep meaning to check it out um and yeah it's it's very cool i think it was definitely a commercial success yeah i hope so um and it was it was a major it was a triple a title it was you a, said it was sucker punch uh, no it was um super massive oh super massive right, uh, and right. published by sony gotcha Got okay it. that makes sense um i'm not sure is super massive owned by sony i'm not sure i'm not sure either. Yeah, yeah it's possible um, it's likely. Yeah, right. In the state of the industry. Okay, so the next one is a guess as many as you can question. Okay. Name as many of EA Dice's games released after EA acquired them. That Did you aren't... say slightly slanted? What? In his favor? <laughs> I'm 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 not no, I'm not doing is, good this on isn't this one. Slanted in yeah, his yeah, favor yeah. at all. 
It's not sending in either. Yeah, favors. I'm in trouble right I now. I think you're going to put down two, and I'm going to put down zero. Okay, so <laughs> so it's released after EA acquired them, but they aren't Battlefield games. And there are six. What the? Oh man, I think, literally no idea. I think I've got like one, maybe. What was the question again? How many, or guess as many, uh, or name as many of EA Dice's games released after EA acquired them that aren't Battlefield games? And if you really need it, EA acquired them in 2004. Nope, I just got or one. Or 2006. I just got the one. Just the one? Mm-hmm. We can't multiple choice this. Nope, just guess as many as you can. It would be way too hard to multiple choice this. I know I can. I know I know one or two. But they're just buried deep in my soul. Here, I'll brain. give you. I'll give you a couple of hints. Uh, I think that's fair. Two of these are the same franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, two of these are the same franchise, and another two of them are also the same franchise. Oh, I guess I can add the sequel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, the other two are existing franchises that they did not develop, but they right. are sequels. Right. Okay, I have two if we can include sequels, so. Yeah. And I don't even know if I'm right. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Shit. I have a hint I could give Alex that would only make sense to him because he knows me, which I almost feel like I need to do to be fair. It includes a game that I really enjoy. I put that down. Okay. I just don't know the sequel. Oh, Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Sucks. I'm definitely, I'm jotted down. I don't got anything else. Okay. Uh, what do you got, Alex? Mirror's Edge. Okay. But I put, and then I put Mirror's sequel. Yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> all I have is Mirror's Edge one and two. I'll, I'll give, I'll give you guys both two yeah, points yeah. for that. Okay. So I need to know what the other ones were because I know they're in my mind okay. somewhere. So, so obviously it's Mirror's Edge and Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Oh, okay, oh that's right. what, oh, okay. That's what's... And then there's Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know those games. Uh, and there's Medal of Honor. They did the oh, multi. Um, they did the multiplayer only. Yeah, on right. Medal of Honor. Right. Um, another studio. I think. Um, I'm forgetting their name, but another studio did the single player. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I want to say it's the uh, Dead uh, Dead Space Studio, but I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, and then there's Star Wars Battlefront One and Two. Ah, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's the six. Yeah, got it. Oh man, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, okay, and the next one is another guess as many as you can. Fuck. <laughs> Name as many of the major PC digital dis- distribution platforms. Yeah, this is hugely in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex managed to win the guess blind movie guessing game. Of horror movies against a guy whose podcast is literally about horror movies, so I felt like I needed to be needs a challenge a more, more even handed this time because I slanted it heavily in Alex's favor. <laughs> uh, um, oh, technically, I just spoiled that. I'll probably take that out. Say the question again, just to be safe, because I might have to demarcate here. Name as many of the major PC digital distribution platforms. PC, okay, good. Got it. And there's six again that I chose. It's kind of arbitrary, but I think these are widely accepted as the major ones. You might actually have other ones that 
I didn't put in here. Alex, I know you know one of them for sure. Fuck, dude. I'll I'll give you an additional hint. Um, two of them are publisher specific. Uh, one of them is very recent. And one you definitely know, and the other two are ones you definitely don't know. Oh no! So I can't win this, even if I had the others. Well, the last <laughs> question—the last question—is eleven points, and I'm so, but I'm already down by. Know. I'm already down by three, going on six, right? <laughs> well, what? you're down. You're down by, uh, yeah, three at the moment. That's what I'm saying. Three going on six, and it could turn into more. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, I've Sorry, got, I'm I've good got at one five. Thing. I've got five. I've got five. Oh my god! But I think one is kind of a reach, and okay. then the other two that I might be forgetting, it's it's because they've never been relevant to me for some reason. Fair. So I'm curious what ones I'm forgetting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. All right, I'm ready. Okay. I can't think of it. What do you got, Alex? Just Steam. Okay. But I can't think of... Is one of them the uh, Rock? Um, rock? That's not it. Who made the... Who made the Arkham games? Do they rock make a, Steady? Do they make a bunch of other games too or no? Mm, no. They don't? Okay, they're, cool. They're not on the list. All right. Uh, so Steam, Origin, Epic Game Store, Good Old Games, and then Ubisoft actually had their own distribution platform as well that one's a reach because i don't know if that one still exists or not do you know what the name is oh did it have a specific name yes it does oh no i don't know what the specific name is i i'd only gotten it for like one game and then never opened it ever again okay so you said epic games steam origin, origin which is and good old games yeah yeah and good old games okay those are all correct okay and then one ubisoft more. is called you play you play i knew that and then the last one is green man gaming Oh, Green Man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Damn it! I should have known Origin. Those are the only two, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? Well, like both of those publisher portals, though. Like, no one liked. No one was happy about those they're, things. Right. They're like they're whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. really not bad, and they're not. Great, no, they're not. They're fine. But they're totally whatever. Yeah. And I I support it on the principle that there should be competition. Absolutely. In the market. Yes. All right. The next one. Um, what was the highest prize pool in esports history? This is multiple choice. Esports. I knew what it was about three years ago, so I'm guessing it's weirdly higher now. The problem with this is this is 11 points. No, no, this one's three points. There's okay. one more question after this. I see. From, okay, so from a single event. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm going to put two things down: the thing I can think of, and then what I think that eventually became. Okay, he's going for it. He's going to take a risk. Okay, then I'll do multiple choice. Okay. A, 25 million. B, 28 million. C, 34 million. Or D, 36 million. Wait, say those again? Those are way higher than I thought. Mm -hmm. 25 million, 28 million, 34 million, and 36 million. So now if you change yours... No, best, he's already two. written it down. This no, is he's already a, written down. This is from he's a committed. He can't go down to two. Nope. I yeah. I I wrote. 
yeah, mine are definitely wrong. I was way under in like a really insane way. I had no idea I'd gotten that high. Uh-huh. The, so the one that I can think of, I'll tell was, you what it is too. Um, I'm going to go 28, 28. Yeah. Final answer. Yeah. It's 34. Good Lord. Okay. And that was the international 2019. God damn. It was the international. Okay. My guess was from the international 2016, which is the last international I was watching while I was still playing Dota. That was 6 million. And that was a huge, huge deal. Right. I guess. Had, yeah. It went from 6 million to 18 million the next year to 22 to 25 to 34. Oh my God. Yeah, so I think insane. you had mentioned, because I had in my mind 5 million. And then I remember, I think it was either last year or the year before. I remember you throwing around 23 million. That ter- that amount. Yeah. So I was, I was looking that for was, that in the multiple. That choice. was the year um, EG won okay. the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what I was looking for. And if you had said the, 23, I just would have gone for that, that one. That was the $6 million Echo Slam. The $6 million Echo Slam. Yeah, oh, I remember man. that. I was watching oh. it live. I watched, mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't think I watched it live. I think I watched it after the fact, but I was like yeah. up, up, uh, like literally standing up, like yeah. cheering. It was incredible. It was, was like, incredible. Yes. But, but that $6 million pool was already so far beyond yeah, like that, any other event that, at the time. At the time that dwarfed everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was such a big part of the conversation. Like, wow, 6 million. What's it going to be next year? 8 million. Yeah. And apparently and it jumped 18. up. Just multiply by three. That's so insane. I, if I recall, and it's been a few years since I've played Dota because I had a very abusive relationship with Dota. Same. <laughs> if I recall, the structure is still, or, or the structure was everyone is, everyone's like in-game purchases are being funneled into the prize pool, right? Yes. Okay. So is so that still the system? Valve, Valve puts in the first like 1.6 or something. Mm-hmm. And then 25% t- of all compendium purchases yep, and right. other other TI related in-game purchases right. go into the prize pool. That's incredible because not only is it the same system, it's a good system that keeps scaling up in like extremely non-trivial ways. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I'm wondering what the <sighs> what the cap is going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty fucking. It's not thirty. You said thirty six million. Thirty four. Thirty four. Good gravy. It's like thirty four point three. Yeah. Incredible. Who won this year? Um. I don't know. Yeah, I don't actually either. think I watched yeah. it. I had to avoid it. If I like, if I start it. watching it, I just get glued to it. I it's, it's kind of the same way. I, I enjoy watching it much more than I enjoy playing it. Yeah. What was it. choice D? D was thirty six. I believe thirty six. Okay. What was the what was the tricky way too high answer? It was like forty eight. No, no, no. He, they were all pretty close. 25, 28, 34. No, because 36. this question, oh, okay. this question, and the Street Fighter question were kind of similar. Yeah. Oh, sure. Because mm-hmm. he had, yeah, he had, oh, yeah, he had yeah, D like, being barely higher than the right, right choice. That's why I asked. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this last one's going to be a doozy. There I honestly go. don't. A even, doozy. Yeah, I don't get. know how many points either of you are going to get on this one. Let's get wild. Name as many of the Assassin's Creed games <laughs> and their time period. Got it. I'm on it. I love Assassin's Creed. You're busted, buddy. Oh, shit. I wasn't sure if you were that into the series or not. Does it matter? You know I wasn't. I thought you might have learned a few things over the years. I've only bought 
fighting games and I stopped at age 14. See, we're in, we're in trouble right now. Because Dude, I haven't bought a game in 15 years. Because we're, you guys are about to get a whole lecture on the intro. All right, I'll just, oh, and I'm, I'm going to place my clipper down. Just wait to. I'm only counting the major releases. I'm not counting like the small. Yeah, if, same. You, if you can name those, like that's incredible. But I have 11 of the major releases. Jesus. There and there are like another like eight like yeah. mobile games. I, I actually stuff. have a cap. I stopped playing at a certain point, so yeah, I stopped playing it as well. But uh, I'll give you a point if you can just guess the time periods. Yeah, I can guess the time periods. Well, for Alex specifically, like cool. I gotta get regarding gameplay. Yeah, because the Assassin's Creed games they take place in mm-hmm. history. Yeah. Recreation of history. So if you can guess the time periods, I'll give you points for those. Even if you don't know the title. Um, let's see. And a few of these, by the way, use the same time period. Yeah, right. Right. I honestly didn't think Ben was that into Assassin's Creed, so I thought this I might be remotely fair. I was super into Assassin's Creed for quite a long time. Oh wow! And yeah. and really just got fatigued. Yeah, that's fair. Because because I like I was a day one guy for a long time. You know what I mean? Just like as soon as one was out, uh, and then just the frequency got a little too high for me. And yes, I Assassin's think... Creed is the poster child for yearly releases yep. ruining a series. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> They actually skipped a year between two of them. Yeah, I finally. remember. I remember seeing that and being and like, "I wish he just maintained that." And yet, it still wasn't markedly that much better. Okay, I think I'm all good. I'm gonna write like a histogram here, <laughs> <laughs> a diagram of all the time periods. Yeah. Do you have all eleven? Uh, I don't have all eleven. Okay. I think I have the major chunks for sure. Okay. Yeah. How are you doing over there, Alex? This fucking sucks. <laughs> I mean, I knew this was going to be slanted, but it turned out being a slanted? lot more slanted than I Slanted. <laughs> I can't take you seriously. <laughs> you pissed that I won the last one and I shouldn't have. <laughs> vengeance. I know. Quiz vengeance. All right. I uh, I mean, I, I want to make sure Ben wants to come back, though. That's No, I, trust me. I gathered that very early on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you have uh, an idea? Okay, yeah. So I put Dark Ages, Renaissance twice, 1600s for um, like colonial expansion slash um, like uh, trade invasion, like essentially the okay, hold on. prevalence ha- of pirates. What was the first one you said? Dark Ages. Dark Ages, okay. And a Renaissance, what, I put twice. When you say Dark Ages, what do you mean by Dark Ages? I'm talking like, we're going to say late 1100s to late... Slash early 1300s, late 1200s, early 1300s, pre pre Renaissance. Renaissance, I think, isn't it like late 1300s, like through 1400s, uh-huh. and then Renaissance twice. And right. it's, I'll count it; it's close enough. And it's 1600s, just Renaissance because twice. I think I've seen a commercial of like a pirate, so I'm like, oh, okay, like okay, 1600s. <laughs> and then I put not um, quite right, but. fuck. And then I put um, <laughs> like the birth of America slash like okay. Revolutionary War 1700s. Okay, so I think I've seen like uh-huh. a musket. That's it. That's straight up. That's what I put. Okay. Do I get uh, like three points? Wait, you said 1600s, right? 
Yeah, and 1700s. The, when was the French Revolution? I don't know. French Revolution it was, was 1790. It's post American Civil War or Revolutionary War? Yeah, I thought so. Everything oh. I know about history is from the Assassin's Creed games. So, <laughs> okay, this, is so this is a huge problem. It sounds problem. like you've got four. Well, I he got, got me beat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ben, give us a master class. I, so I know that one was um, Middle East. If I recall, it was like in the 1000s, like that century. Fuck. Because, no, that see, that seems too late because you still had like Damascus and you still had... Um, Oh my God, it's been such a long time. You, it was you had like five crusade. biblical cities. Okay, roughly which is, when was that? Which is eleven mid 1100s. Okay, yeah, you were actually right. So yeah, yeah, I was close. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. gave him a point for it. Mm-hmm, cool. Um, there was actually three in Italy that started Correct. Ezio. That was Assassin's Creed II, Brotherhood. And then I don't actually remember the name of the third one, but I still played the crap out of it. Those were all like Renaissance era. Okay, that's cool. two points then. Okay. Um, and then um, Assassin's Creed Three was Colonial America for sure. Okay. Like, like, uh, like during pre-revolution or during revolution? It's probably so. Which one? Which one do you think it is? Oh, you're being. I don't recall because that's that's kind of when I started to fall off. So I'm gonna guess. Just pick one or the other. uh, During the revolution. Correct. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 Because because yeah, I I believe it opened once you were past like the tutorial with the indigenous mm-hmm. character, like, Oh, talk of revolution and all that garbage. Yep, so it's yeah, right, yeah. right at the beginning and through it. And George Washington was a major character. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. He um, was. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I didn't get to that, but I feel like I heard and that. John Adams was also a major. Wow. Character. Yeah. And apparently they were like bad guys. They were like Templars. And <laughs> it's like a big twist that they're these like oh. sinister. Bad oh yeah. I think George Washington was. Okay. Oh yeah. So yeah, some of them were, some of them yeah. weren't. Um, I, I believe, all of the four games were Black Flag, the series of, of that was like, um, which I, I want to say was Caribbean, like Caribbean 1800s. No, 1800s is way too late. 1700s. But I know those were the pirate games. Okay, yeah. I almost so the pirate games those. were in the 1700s? No, I yes. know. Don't fuck. They were in the okay. 1600s. That was my guess. Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. Black Flag. There was, there was a couple of those, weren't they? Like it, or at least an expansion. Well, yeah, there's one more. Okay, cool. Black flag. What was the other black flag? Do you, did you not have it written? Down? No, I okay. don't have. I don't uh, know. The it. other one is Rogue. Oh, Assassin's see, that's Rogue. that doesn't sound familiar at all. And it's was pre- that a mobile game? No, it was console okay. release. Uh, actually, came out the same time as the other title that year. W- was that the one that had the um? It was the female character. The the African American no. wouldn't been okay. I'm thinking no, I didn't one count that as mobile games. It's and it's not. It's not all ship based rogue. It actually might not even be ship based. Okay, all, but sure. It is the same time frame. Uh, the next one after that was Syndicate, which took place in London. I don't remember the time period though. I want to say late 1800s. Okay, yeah, it's Victorian um, England. Okay, cool. And then the fifth one was the Greek one. I don't remember the name of it. Like the like the ancient Greek one, mm-hmm. which. You don't remember the name of it, though. I sure don't. Okay. No, no, no. Um, but the, what if he guesses the time period? The time no. period would have been. You got the handicap of just having the time period. Got it. He's got to know both. Oh, the names. Oh no, I don't know the names of any of them. Um, I know that there was the Greek one, and then the Egyptian one was after that. I knew there was an Egyptian yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Um, right, right. And yeah, I don't remember the names because it's like the names were never meaningful. I I would look at the setting, get really hype about the setting, and then the name just kind of would fall out of my brain. So so I remember all these games, but didn't play most of them after three. Okay, so that's five points. Um, They were Assassin's Creed the original and the Third Crusade. 
Assassin's Creed 2 in the Renaissance, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, also in the Renaissance, and Assassin's Creed Revelations. Revelations, yep. That ended up in the Vatican. I remember that was dope. Yes. uh, That was, uh, those three, two through Revelations were the highest series. Yeah, they were super good. Um, Assassin's Creed 3 is set in the American Revolution. Assassin's Creed 4 is Pirates, 1700s. Rogue is similar time frame. I say it's pre-American Revolution, so okay, the yeah. 1700s. Mm-hmm. Unity was the next one, which was the French Revolution. Oh, I don't remember that at all. And then Syndicate was the one after that in Victorian mm, England. Yep. And then Origins in ancient Egypt. Origins. And then Odyssey in ancient Greece. <gasps> yeah, I, I knew all those words. Yeah. I've heard those words before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so though that's the whole series. My younger brother, yeah, Yeah. my my younger brother got super into Origins, and every time he talked about it, like it was very, very tempting for me to get back into it. But Origins is an RPGification of the game. Sure, sure, sure. Which which I'm totally cool with, as long as you're still running and jumping, right? I'm not Uh, actually okay with it. Okay, you think it takes away from the core mechanics? I'm curious enough about it that I would try it. The the problem with all Ubisoft games that take this form is that. If, if I'm curious about it in a moment where I have things going on in my life, I can't start playing them yep. because I will compulsively fall into them, find all the things, do all the things, see all the mm-hmm. places. And then before I know it, like I've, you know, missed some, missed some appointments. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the kind of flow that I get into whenever I'm presented with a system like that. So that's very fair. So I've had these temptations for most of these games after three, but it's just the timing's never been good. Which is which? Which is better for life, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. Um, I pretty much stopped playing after four. Yeah. Um, I have the later ones that I haven't played. Yeah. I bought them on sale for like seven bucks a pop. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't have any plans to play Origins. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of the RPG version. I think it. I don't. I. I, inherently, I don't really like having to like level up your weapons. It just feels very cartoonish. Okay, sure, right. But especially with Assassin's Creed, which is like a serious setting. Yeah. And also, one of the things that really annoyed me is they just totally threw away all the modern context. Sure. The games. They like the story just became nonsense. Yeah. Like it literally doesn't. There's no connections anymore. It just. It used to be almost it's not like important. almost like realistic fillers for historical gaps, right? Yeah, right. like it's, where it's, it's like on like borderline. Not, not like, only that, but there was this whole modern context right. where you're playing modern characters in the modern age, and they're going back and reliving memory, genetic memories, bullshit, but whatever. Yeah, uh, it was cool enough as a premise to work, and so they exist in the modern age, and they're trying to like stop a conspiracy in the modern age based on mm-hmm. learnings mm-hmm. of genetic memory in the past. And are you saying they just kind of abandoned that? Yeah, at some point? totally abandoned it after. Th- Three, well, four, there was still a modern context. I don't, I right. never finished it, so I don't know what the culmination of that right. was. But um, three was the last, that was the end of the Desmond. Desmond, he died right. Three. Um, three was really good. I actually really liked that one. Yeah. It, um, it took a long time to get cooking, is it was what I kept of, being told. It was kind of buggy sometimes, too. Sure. It was, it was a, actually a massive leap. Yeah. Because they added outdoor areas yeah, and parkour through forests. Yeah, that's right. Which was like really cool. Mm-hmm. And it, when you look at it, it's, these are meticulously designed forests. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I might have a couple insights here. I know that that franchise, which is obviously enormous, 
um, it has gone through a couple major leadership changes and it did early on too. Yes. Um, and like that's, that's obviously going to influence the direction things take, but also I know that, that from, from conversations with, with other game developers that have worked on like established franchises for a really long time, um, you kind of have to change things or else you're, you're risking the sensation of like, the gamer feels like they're playing the same thing, even though it's all new content. Mm -hmm. And so it like, it's almost kind of a joke with these veteran senior designers who have to maintain these franchises for so long. It's like, it doesn't matter how we change this. We just have to change it in any way. Just pick any arbitrary way to make this design different so that people feel like, because even, even those gamers sitting there kind of upset about a change, Mm -hmm. but they still bought it and played it that's what you're trying to maintain yeah which is really cynical and shitty but that is a business reality of franchises like it doesn't matter do anything okay cool they bought it we're good that's the end of the thought process weirdly enough i would consider buying odyssey sure yeah because the theme is really cool yeah yeah, yeah. uh ancient uh, ancient greece is i love ancient greece yeah totally i'm just really into it yeah and, and I, I feel the same way about ancient Egypt. Like, like that was the one that was really nibbling on me the hardest because I just wanted to like run up pyramids and stuff. I, I mean, I like it in theory, but also like you lose so much of what has built Assassin's Creed because sure. you don't have like cities. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have like little river towns and yeah, that's a big feel change. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a big change, not just in how it's all RPG yeah, but also the feel of the game is a lot different. I know they have some set, some sense of a city. Right. I think it kind of goes back to like Assassin's Creed One feeling, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Right. Um, but I just remember watching it and being like, "Yeah, that's cool," but I just don't really feel like I'll probably ever play this. Yeah. Unfortunately. So what were the results, by the way? Like, yeah, I was oh. gonna say. Yeah. No, what, it sounds what like you he, he was up by seven. What do you think it was? He won by seven. Seven. That's correct. It was nine to sixteen. Wow. <gasps> I'm okay at one thing. Hey, put it put it there. <laughs> right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, it was a, it was good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do not feel like I was in control of that trivia segment. I feel, I feel like you yeah, were. Yeah, I feel, I was like, oh shit, am I losing touch with my own memory base? Well, here? I mean, you you got sixteen <laughs> out of a potential thirty five. Right, right, right. So it's yeah. not like it's not like he aced the the quiz per se. You just totally bombed it, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that doesn't mean anything yeah that's okay <laughs> uh, you also gave me a handicap and it was still by, I, yeah. by a large margin realistically it should have been i think it should have been like five 16 to five for that yeah, yeah. so i think i du- basically doubled your score with handicaps yeah yeah if the, if the yeah. trivia and the handicap you gave me literally was was for the highest value yeah yeah so yeah if, if the trivia isn't video games or the video game industry i tank i don't know anything at all so Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i'm in i'm in my element too and i still did like half (laughs) yeah yeah it was still fun yeah yeah i love to play video games if they're like in front of me and other people are playing them like i'll join yeah oh i don't okay wait bonus round and i know you might actually know some of these wait what name as many of the rainbow six siege characters as you can Oh, oh, dude, I don't fucking come know. on. You know it's, some it's, of these. Guys. I know some of their weapons because I've watched you. <laughs> See that this is one of those funny things because one of my little brothers plays it and I tried it when it came out. 
I know all of these characters' names, but they've completely faded into the Same. back of my head. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you can if you can recall their gadget, I'll count that as well. Oh, there's one called Gadget, I'm pretty sure. There's like a female character named Gadget. I don't think so. I could also like, you know what's more fun is like making up some siege names <laughs> like Hammer and uh, <laughs> um, Rivet Gun and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, okay, there's, so I think there's like yeah, you 30 got this some now. No, I'm Jeez. thinking. So there's there's the like the <laughs> like shaving cream bomb weapon that you can throw at walls. You've got the electronic control where you can essentially take over um, like enemy uh, signals. There's the like a ram shield, right? Mm. The shield you can blitz. Like, what's the guy's name? Isn't his name Ram? Probably. What the fuck's his name, Miller? <laughs> no, there are. Uh, There's a guy that, that has a, the characters. big. Yeah, he has a giant the the shield? riot shield. Yeah, yeah, the riot shield. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah, uh-huh. the big one. Then there's the guy that you like who can who he has, he essentially has like a visor attached to his like sniper rifle. And his name's Clutch. A visor attached. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's your character. I mean, that's one of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's. Now, a, does I one? In a minute, does but, one yeah. specific character have the little RC car? Or is that everyone? No, everyone that, has. Okay, that's, right. That's right, right. on the offense. Some yeah. of the, some of them have special ones though. Yeah. Sure. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of you've kind of like touched on a few of them. Ironically, Blitz is one. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. But it's, he's not the shield when you're talking about. The one you're talking about is Montaigne. Oh, okay. Blitz is the other shield one. <laughs> oh. Who has the flashbang on the shield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the one with the gun shields is Blackbeard. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Blackbeard. The, yeah, they're all names that, like, young men in an organization would, like, give each other, right? Like, <laughs> your Blitz. Yeah, fratty names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, also, like, you shouldn't forget. But Right, right. Also... <laughs> You said hammer, but it's actually sledge. Yes, oh, sledge. sledge. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty I oversimplified. There's also Smoke, mm-hmm. who's a poison gas operator, but he's an SAS guy, which okay. always felt kind of weird to me. Yeah. Like, why is the British guy the one doing poison? That seems kind of thematically. <laughs> they, I mean, they've got a rich history with poison. I'm, yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and there's, let's see, there's a lot. There's easily 30 on this list. Yeah. And then he's probably closer to 40. It might even be over 40. Quite a bit of a bonus potential, and I still dropped yeah. the ball. <laughs> if, if I understand, that is still a living game, right? Yes, it is. That's incredible. You still play Millet or no? No, not really. Okay. I, I think you're going to see more and more of this idea where you make a game, you establish it, and then you just maintain it for as long as people will play and it. And add content. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, DLC. yeah. Because mm-hmm. okay. if you can afford yeah. to do that, you might as well. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, we'll we'll take a quick break again, sure. and then we'll jump right into that topic because that's okay. uh, actually very topical. Yeah, got it. Wow, you've come really far in this episode. Considering how long you've been listening, you should probably consider subscribing and maybe even leaving us a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. I know, I know. Everyone asks every episode, but I mean, come on, you've been listening to it for an hour. It's the least you could do, really. Now back to the episode. All right, and we are back. We're going to do a segment on some reactions to game trailers slash little gameplay segments. Some stuff that was really particularly hype for me as uh, in my early game design days. 
Um, and then after that, we're going to finish with a discussion on sort of the state of the industry. Um, we want to talk about what the pitching process is for pitching a game to a publisher because Ben has just gone through that. Um, and a few other things, and we'll wrap up after that. So I'm guessing another 30-ish minutes. Uh, so yeah, let's get started. The first trailer, for those who are watching, because you can't actually see the the screen at all, is the Mirror's Edge Catalyst E3 2013 trailer. That's really fascinating. I never saw that before that footage started. I noticed that it said this is in-game footage. Frostbite, yeah. Right, 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 which is pretty incredible because that looks fairly um, high-end lighting yeah. and high-end character models, etc. Right, right, right. But but you, but it looks like this is this was from 2013. Yeah. Did this not come out? 2016. It did come out in 2016. Okay. Yeah. I assume you played it. Hell yes. Played did over a hundred hours. Did it look like this? Did it look this good? It's honestly pretty close. Interesting. Okay. Um, there's more attention to detail in this trailer. Sure. Um, I will say that some of the little things like, you know, the mask shattering mm -hmm. on the punch, yeah. they do keep that for a couple of the moves. Right. It does. It's not quite the same fidelity, but right. Um, but they do keep the same thing. And I think right. the same sound effect. Yeah. Um, the final game, so for context, Mirror's Edge is my favorite game yeah. of all time. The first one. Uh, I played a lot of it. It's, it's just so good. It just totally captured my imagination. Um, I had been waiting for so long for another Mirror's Edge game. And when this came right. out, I was so hyped when I watched this in the press conference. Mm -hmm. um, so you waited for three years for this to come out. Yeah. Because I assume you saw this when it came out. Yep. Was the wait worth it? Yes. Okay, good. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that trailer is so interesting to me because the last 10 years of game promotion is filled with this is real in-game footage and they're not necessarily lying, but they're promoting it on a super high-end computer mm -hmm. for the it's time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, or, or even they're building a special segment for the trailer yeah. with higher fidelity assets than will actually yeah, 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 be yeah, exactly. in the final game. It, it's, it's, a, it's a very weird move where they're technically not lying and that's mm -hmm. why they do it. Oh, yeah. But 
I asked if it, if it looked like that, because it, it's always fascinating to me when the expectations are sort of met, because I feel like that's uncommon. Yeah. Ubisoft is particularly guilty of this. Sure. Um, but I will say that the game, um, and for, for those listening, you should watch the trailer. It's really, really mm, awesome. It's very pretty. Um, the, the, the segments where she's getting tattooed, mm. I'd say that is definitely doable in the engine. Sure. They never do it in yeah. the game itself, yeah. obviously, because it's built specifically for this trailer. Right. Um, but they, they, and they, they do the same thing. A lot of modern single player games do where they have pre-rendered cutscenes yeah, 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 yeah. in between, uh, gameplay segments, except the pre-rendered cutscenes are not like, it used to be like blur studio, or whatever would create those cutscenes, And yeah. it's like straight up, Fully pre-rendered, yes. like more of a movie there, VFX. There's no restrictions in those situations. Yeah. Pipeline versus now, their pre-rendered segments are, I believe, rendered in the game engine. Yeah, with mm-hmm. higher fidelity assets, yeah. um, on like ridiculously powerful rigs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they look better than the gameplay, but they're actually kind of close. Sure. Yeah. Which is what he's saying. They're technically not lying. Yeah. So yeah. I think the quality that you saw in the trailer is very similar to what you see in the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. In the game, uh, the the one scene where she's running through the hallway and the glass is shattering and yeah. everything, that's actually pretty accurate to what sure. the game looks like. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, but yeah, the actual, like the character fidelity and stuff like that, that's the cutscene character fidelity. Right. Yeah. That they, that they ultimately kept. I, I get very happy when my peers aren't lying to you. Yes. So. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's the theme of my questions right now. I, I mean, I love the game. Yeah, good. Uh, it, it was kind of mixed in its reception. The first one critically was received very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But commercially was kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. I think it, I, I'm guessing it probably basically broke even for you. Sure. Um, the second one, I think they lost money on it because I think they put more money into it and they didn't make much more than they made with yeah, the first one. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, and critically, it wasn't received the same way. It yeah. was more mixed. Yeah, that that actually doesn't surprise me. I think things like Mirror's Edge are very much um, products of the moment that they get released in. I don't think Mirror's Edge was ever destined to be like a franchise. Um, it's so novel and unique and beautiful and weird and wonderful, but you can't juice something like Mirror's Edge that is that distinct of an experience, mm-hmm. I don't think. It's, I don't, it's not digestible enough for 10 million people to buy over and over and over again. Yes. And that's not me looking down it's, on it. It's such a wonderful product. I think it could have been a really phenomenal <clears throat> three-game franchise trilogy mm-hmm. targeted at an audience where they're like, we just need a million people to buy it. Sure, right. And that's it. Yeah. And it's even targeted at like a $50 single player only experience sure. or like that. I think it would have been super successful at that. Yeah. And if it would have just been made when the first one came out. Yeah. Right. Right. And right. the next one came out two years later or three years later. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, two years or three years after that. Yeah. It would have been successful in that, in that cadence, I think. Yeah. Um, ultimately with Catalyst, they went with like an open world type setup. Ah, sure. Which was. I can't imagine lot. it felt the same. Here's the thing is there's a lot of promise. Hmm in the open world concept with mirror's edge, because one of the best parts of mirror's edge is its world design. Yeah. Uh, not only the art direction itself, which is phenomenal, but the way the world is constructed, right. And all the background and all the story that goes into it and how it's represented in the art direction. Mm. It's just so it's some of the best, some of the best executed world design, in my opinion, in modern gaming history. Sure. Um, so the open world concept, I think could have been really special. Mm hmm but it just wasn't executed in the way it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. And so it kind of felt, 
it didn't feel special in the way it could have mm. felt. But yeah, it's also like in order for it to have felt that special, I think it would have needed to have the kind of budget that would have needed ten million. People exactly. To buy. Yeah. Right. Whereas I think where they landed was the budget where we need five million to buy it, maybe. Right. Or like four or five, and that would have been a break-even profitable. See that 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 kind of what you're describing is breaking my heart because there are some things that you don't want to sort of peel open and make into a bigger thing because at that point you're you're giving people more room to be disappointed Mm -hmm. and i think that's a big pitfall in game design where you're taking this thing that is already so good and so strong and instead of just building on top of it so that it becomes more interesting or becomes stronger you you do this thing where you just rip it open and you spread it out thin on top of the surface of the experience and Mm -hmm. and when you say I'm looking at this open world and it's so exciting, but then once you're actually in it, it's kind of disappointing. That's, that's like a super classic problem in game design that breaks my heart all the time. Like, like imagine something like gears of war getting opened up into an open world. Like, what are you going to do with that? That's not what the Mm -hmm. game is about. That's not, you're just now giving me more space to be sad about something that was exploded inside my mind. Mm -hmm. And of course it can't be that way. Right. yeah. 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 And, um, the uh, what's amazing is the first game I think sold two million, two and a half million copies, something like that. Sure. Um, over its you know three four, first three four years or whatever, mm-hmm. and it had, in my opinion, it had a very loyal fan base. It definitely did. Like the people who actually bought the game loved it. Yes, and they would have absolutely bought another one. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think they pretty much got like what an eighty to ninety percent conversion rate on those fans. Mm-hmm for the sequel. I can or, see that. Well, reboot. It's not even really a sequel. Um, but that they couldn't capture further. Right. Audience. Yeah. And because it was so far later, actually that 80% might even be ambitious. It might not even hmm. be that high because it was eight years later. Right. Right. So they're almost setting themselves up for failure. Yes, they are. They are. If, if you have, if you create something that has a cult following, you are so fortunate. You are so lucky. You just maintained the cult following. The yes. fact that you have a cult following in the first place means that you made something weird but beautiful. And your job is to like take care of the people that showed up. But because it's a business and because it's games and because there are publishers involved, their natural thought is how do we multiply these people? And you don't. You sell to them over and over and over again. You can you continue to probe those people and say, mm-hmm. what do you love about Mirror's Edge? Tell me exactly what, so I can yeah. keep giving that to you while it still feels fun. Exactly. And that's what they should have. That's what a lot of, of franchises should have done throughout their history. Yeah. But they're influenced by the people upstairs doing their jobs and saying, we need to make this a bigger audience. Yes. We need to scale. We need to grow, blah, 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 blah. And uh, that's incorrect. And then if you really want to, you take the the margins from your cult following and sure. build a new cult following. Sure. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and you do it again with another franchise. Yep. Yep. One of, one of my life goals is to build a spiritual successor to mirror's edge. Sure. Yeah. That, that, uh, achieves the promise of the series yep. at a scope that is reasonable and is in line with what the series yep. is about. Yep. Like a really high quality story. Yeah. With really high quality characters that really leans into the world design mm-hmm. with a, semi-open level design yeah not open world but like tomb raider style yeah, right semi-open level design yeah eight hour campaign 50 bucks 
you got like a million built-in customers right yeah. there. Yep, like, exactly. They they should have asked you. It's it's criminal. Yeah, they they should have got, they should have walked right into the cult and said, "What do you guys want from the next game in this series?" Instead of trying to go wild. But yeah, everything you just said, it's like that is a very common fantasy you have of someone inside the cult following who's sitting there sad going, they should have just done this. This could have been simple. We would have been happy. They would have gotten paid. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I, I would, I would wager that most gamers you've ever met actually have a similar fantasy where they loved this thing. It mutated and they just wish it could have slightly evolved to the left instead of becoming this grossly different. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think, I think if you take my vision, you can make that with 10 million. Sure. Right. And that's, yeah. that's in that budget range where if you got a million customers, yeah. you're set. Yeah. Like that's a profitable million customers. Yeah. Which, which no, which no huge publisher sees it that way. Unfortunately, it's such yeah. a bummer. They're like, this thing made some money. How do we juice all of the, every single last money nutrient out of it, which is such a bummer. You guys know you guys already know this stuff yeah so does everyone listening yeah <laughs> just it doesn't stop being sad so speaking of the whole ubisoft conversation this is a clip from the watchdogs mm, reveal uh-huh. yeah i remember this E3. yep uh, again this is a situation where the game did not quite live up to the reveal yeah there. right i'm actually going to cut this episode a little early We ended up going longer than we anticipated and we'll be releasing the second part of the episode as a bonus episode after this season finishes airing. But if you're interested in hearing it sooner, you can email spyfyofficial at gmail.com and we'll find a way to get it to you. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, maybe consider rating or subscribing on whatever platform you might be listening on right now. It really helps us a lot. It makes a big difference. And if you haven't yet, please head on over to YouTube and search for SpyFi to check out my new vlog that I just posted today. We'll see you next week.